0: What the? Truck! You are
1: listening to Why the Truck? Are you ready to truck it? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner and Donnie coming in at what? A total combined weight of 535 pounds of total stupidity. What's up, Donnie? Yeah, we're going to be a little bit heavier after these next few weeks. Oh, jeez. But it's, it's brutal for me because, you know, there's Halloween. Well, actually, my kid's birthday is like the 20th, that is in the end of September. So that kicks off like the holiday season basically for us. So you got kids' birthday parties, you got a giant ice cream cake in the house, and Halloween comes, you get a ton of candy, and you get Thanksgiving, then my other son has a birthday, then you get Christmas, and it's like easy 25 pounds <laughs> during this run. I like your... Um... You
2: had the driver on there that had the lady on the hood on your intro.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was actually a guy that was on the hood. That was, a that was, that was all right. By the way, thank you. There's some new ornaments that have gone to the Freight Christmas tree here, the What the Truck Community Christmas tree. Thank you all who've sent ornaments so far. PLP sent one. Understand LTL sent one. C.H. Robinson sent this awesome mug and a moleskin. Um, who else did we get on there? Understand LTL. Did I say that? PLP? Yep. Oh, you know who? Landstar. Landstar sent a little truck. That was really cool. What do you well, think? We have the record for... I, we have to have the record for... You most can't stand but I got my Amazon socks on today. Oh, really? Cool. You must have picked that up at a booth. I must have picked that up at a booth. Speaking of runs, right now... You're getting shamed, drivers, for what happened on uh, Snowqualhemi Pass yesterday. Take a look at this tweet. They said, come on, folks, you can do better than this. We are closed eastbound I-90 at MP47 west of the summit due to vehicles not obeying the traction tire requirements and spinning out and blocking lanes. Please obey the traction tire requirements. And know before you go, there was a big mess over there. It was shut down for hours. It's, it's open up now. But, hey. Drive safe, right? It's winter time. It's December, John. Uh, they should.
2: They there, there's no load worth a life. They should park those trucks, keep them out of the snow. Yeah, uh, but some guys think they know it all, and they'll try to run those passes. And a lot of them, they can do it. I get it. Park the truck.
1: Maybe they can fly over it. Take a look at this. Rate right the strap work. I love a good holiday parade. And look at the one that they set up here. Look at that. I believe those are bicycles that the human reindeers are on. Oh, there's the guy with the tractor. Yeah. There's a tractor in the back. King Spud CEO says they never seen a loader bounce off the back wheels, have they? Does this look dangerous to you, Donnie? <laughs> no, nah, they got it. They're good. These
2: guys know what they're doing.
1: Road says we're on the move. Robert Peterson says that is a 10 for strap work and a thousand for the ingenious idea. And Frank McCabe says these Peloton ads are getting a bit ridiculous. <laughs> I guess with all that bicycling. I think they ended up safe. Nobody died in this one. Donnie, do you think we need a trucker, Barbie? We do not need a trucker Barbie. What are you talking about? What makes you I say that? I don't
2: know. I've heard so much Barbie stuff over the past year. I'm t- okay. I've never even seen the show, and I'm tired of it.
1: Well, what if the ladies want it?
2: Then they can, the, the, the ladies can do whatever they want. I'll, You know, happy wife, happy life.
1: This is like Congress talking to a university. This is an easy answer, Donnie. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And there's TikToker, TikToker, trailer slang. And we covered this with Rachel, and we're covering it on Monday. Transforce is coming on the show. But she saw that we put this out there about trucker Barbie, and look how excited she is.
3: Let me just say, if you go back
4: on my videos, like, months ago, when the Barbie movie came out, okay, I made a video, several videos, and I even messaged Mattel and Barbie to make this happen.
1: So she's been on a mission to make this happen.
2: if Rachel wants it, we'll go for it. I'm so I happy. I can't, I can't, do, this other I you can't do the thing. I
4: have gone through the list. I can do purple. Okay, the That's
2: list. That's because I grew up around Crown Royal. Well,
1: Donnie, you don't have to buy this. Jobs. Maybe like the Barbie ladies you need to support and the she young girls need to It and
2: reminds I mean, me of the uh the Pink Cadillacs. Yeah. What's the what's the I would love the company that you sell so much of the
1: Mary Kay? That's it. Mary Kay and the Pink Cadillac. Oh, like Barbie reminds me of Pyramid Scheme. And I hope it happens because I' Well, she was awesome. I'm excited. I hope this happens for you and we'll cover it more with Transforce. By the way, this has been like the year of labor action. There's a strike over at DHL. Take a look at this, Donnie. Yeah, my fears are...
4: and fair labor practices. DHL said they prepared for this strike and have put plans into place to make sure their service is not seriously disrupted. Leaders of Teamsters Local 100 says these are not a bunch of people looking for a ton of money. They want to go to work and feel safe. They say they will be out here on the picket line until a deal is reached. DHL says it can't comment on specific allegations because negotiations are ongoing, but they said that they prioritize safety at the city hub.
1: As you can see there, so this was Chelsea 6. She said, happening now, DHL employees are striking at CVG. They say they're striking over unfair labor practice, stalled contract negotiations. Teamsters say now that more than 1,100 DHL Express employees are striking. Right, it's peak season. We're trying to get these packages out. They don't want to unload planes until they got yeah. a deal.
2: I called the yellow freight a loss. And maybe it was a win to the union. Yeah. And you're, I think we're going to see a lot more of this in 2024.
1: And it's it's getting courage and emboldened. A lot of these groups and the UAW has some wins. I think they're they're trying. And now everyone's coming up to them and saying, hey, yeah. what can you do for us Th- now?
2: There's a thousand signatures in Chattanooga for the Volkswagen plant.
1: Well, these increased costs, they haven't been good. It's been a tough market. There's a few headlines on FreightWaves.com. We're not going to be able to get to them today, but go and check them out on FreightWaves.com. One of them is postal contractor Matheson. Trucking is shutting operations after 60 Years, Justin Martin said he knows a few people uh, over there, and it's it's just been chaos lately, and all the contracts are getting moved. This is an awful time to go out of business, especially for a postal contractor.
2: Yeah, and we're going to see a lot more of that come first quarter.
1: Wow. Why, why right now for a postal? You think right now they can at least survive through until January?
2: It's So, so postal contracts are very tough. They're on the same lanes. They're not picking up any, you know, mostly any extra. Yeah. It's just the cost to run a truck, especially if you're out in California. The cost to running these trucks are just they're jumping up to it's 2024 20, now cost Ooh. and 2019 rates Brilliant. and it's uh it's gonna it's going to get a lot worse as we go in the first quarter
1: cool we also have a list on freightways.com of the yellow terminals they've been divvied up those bids are about to get confirmed and yellow had shot down a going concern bid to revive the company they say no just take the terminals we are done they've they've tapped out probably a good idea i mean they've yeah. lost all those accounts
2: they lost the accounts it'd be too hard for them just to Turn this, you can't just turn the switch back on.
1: I I think that is probably the right move. 99 years was enough. Maybe they're not making it to 100. We didn't, so anyway. And speaking of strike action, Teamsters warn of a strike at UPS in Louisville. So, like you said, even more labor action is going to go on. And FMCSA issues policy on sexual assault among truck drivers. Really interesting article there. Go to freightwaves.com and check them all out. But we have an awesome show today. We're going to be talking to you about the what sonar data is saying about the freight market. We'll look at truckload, we'll look at rail, we'll look at ocean, and we'll look ahead to 2024. Freight Ninja, they're on a mission to fix truck parking. There's only one truck's parking spot for every 11 trucks. The issue costs drivers an estimated 5,900 bucks a year. Two great gentlemen from there are coming on. Urban drone delivery is Matternet's goal. We'll find out from a couple gentlemen there what's going on in the urban space with drones. And Simply Trade Podcast, those guys are coming on to talk about if Santa Claus is a smuggler, and they'll talk a little bit about how imports actually work, how Christmas gifts actually get under... The Christmas tree, Donnie. But let's start with you and let's look at what the hell is going on in the freight market. And let's start with mm. outbound tender volumes. Donnie, right. what are we seeing?
2: So when I speak, I'm speaking from the care perspective. Okay. that's far different than what the shipper perspective is. So our outbound volumes right now, they've dropped down to uh, let's call it 11,700. Uh, you can see the chart 11,660, I believe. That's still pretty healthy. But as you can see, we, we hit the, the holiday season there. That's Thanksgiving, that big drop there. That's a seven-day rolling average, so we're missing one day. That happens every time we have a big holiday. But after that, it recovered, and now they're headed down, and contract freight is going to start dropping off as we head through December. That's what it does. That's a seasonal action. <clears throat> Everything needs to be at the DCs or at the stores before Black Friday, sure. and that's what their goal is. After that, there's just going to be some resupplying, So volumes are going to start to drop down. Now, we're already way, we have way too much capacity in these markets. So when you start divvying that freight up between now that we have way too much capacity, it's going to get worse throughout December. And it's going to be pretty bad in January and February as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a carrier right now, you gotta feel like most of your wins are coming from that sense of urgency to have gotten frayed into the market for the holiday season. It always yes. tapers off <clears throat> into the new year. But we also see what that does to tender rejects, which they look like they've dropped again, Donnie.
2: Yes, but the there's two big forces pushing rejection rates down. Okay. Number one is over capacity, so these big guys are trying to get everything they can. The other is the high price of diesel fuel. The the national average is still four twenty two. Well, if you can pick these up and you have a fuel uh, a fuel service contract, that is what, that's why they're staying in those contracts right now. Spot rates when you run lanes, they're 50 cents to a dollar per mile cheaper than contracts right now. So they're definitely wanting those contracted freight right now and the fuel surcharge. The split between wholesale and retail diesel cost is $1.57 today. Well, if you have a fuel contract with Uh, pilot, et cetera, for your trucking company, you can actually be generating profits off of your net fuel surcharge because that splits so wide right now. Mm -hmm. It does allow for diesel to continue to come down. That's a good thing, but we're still way too high on diesel and that's driving the cost up. Spot market rates, they're going to trend up all the way to Christmas Day and a slow upward trend but your rejection rates are not going to probably get any more than 5%.
1: That blip where we saw it up at 4.75%, that was that's probably that holiday freight, right? That was getting closer to Black Friday. We're back down at 3.37%, which is anemic. Yeah, and next it, it, I don't think it's going to break 5% for Christmas either.
2: Uh so uh but that's for, for two different reasons. Uh,
1: the, the spot hall national average, pretty low to sixty three. That's uh, that's it, that doesn't have fuel. I didn't throw the chart yeah. in there, but that's that's the rate. But Thomas Watson, he said this all in spot rates performing higher than 2019, but lower than the previous three years. What's interesting is removing a fuel sur- surcharge, which is what I did. Line haul rates have been following 2019 levels.
2: Yes. So if you take if if you throw it up there, the, the NTI, it looks like it's got a little gap above 2019. Well, that's because our fuel is double what it was back in 2019. So you're getting, I don't know, 25, 30 cents more per, per mile on, on your fuel surcharge. Or well, you take that out and do the NTIL, and line haul and line haul are very close. So, again, it's 2019 rates, 2023 prices.
1: Are we seeing uh, this market bleed out any authorities? I know we've talked about that before. What does it look like in December?
2: All right, so this is a good chart here. I want to back up first to COVID. You see the big spike there? And I've done an average average. And during the COVID, and I only did one year, but there's six months before and six months after, we were bringing in almost 1,500 new authorities. And the reason we measure authorities is to have an active authority to have active insurance. So we were bringing in 1,500 trucks almost per or active authorities per week. Now, that could have been one truck. It could have been five trucks. Most of these are probably the owner operators in one truck. But we can't say that. Now, when we get to where we – the beginning of 2023. Now we're, the average is negative. So there's more trucks exiting each week than there are coming in, but that average is only 460. Mm. So if we take the entire time, the entire number that entered during COVID and take our average of less than 500, it's going to take six years to get back to where we were. Whoa. So we're, I think we're going to see these active, uh, active authorities start picking up, during the first of the year of people going out of business. And the sad part is that's what has to happen to rewrite this, this the, the, the trucking recession. <clears throat> the volumes are there. Everything's yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah. Except the overcapacity is running rates down. And causing all the issues.
1: You know, we are seeing some interesting effects, though. Like, for example, look over on rail here. We're seeing a, a bump up in rail. Is that, th- is that due to we've already got our freight where it needs to be, and now we we can basically do the road version of slow steaming and put this on rail? Well,
2: What's we'll, going on here? We'll get to it. We've seen some strong imports still coming in. Yeah. And when the imports come in, about 60% of that goes to the rail. So uh, now what we see on the rail right here <clears> – <throat> Even though it goes by rail, it's still going to move by by truck eventually. Mm. It may not move as far, but it may go to Chicago and then run 200 miles on a truck, 50 miles, may go to a warehouse there in Juliet, but it's still going to run on a truck. And what we've seen on this screen right here, that's probably going to be on trucks in the next few weeks because that's actually in the U.S., already through customs, on the rail. So that's going to help kind of hopefully boost some of these uh, volumes that we're seeing drop right now uh, in the end of December, end of maybe first quarter as well. It may go straight through into a warehouse and not boost volumes till, till spring, but hopefully it'll trickle on down a little bit faster.
1: Donnie, do you know that Santa goes intermodal in Chicago? Take a look at this train. They got that runs through Chicago. WBEZ says the CTA takes the holiday train and bus seriously. Planning starts as early as July. And assembly and mechanical work begin in September. In recent years, the CTA has been able to set aside six dedicated cars for the holiday train and kept the CTA stop in Skokie when they aren't in use. This all started in 1992. They had some out-of-service cars and they decided, hey, we'll use it, we'll promote the holiday, and we'll deliver 50 boxes of food. They still do these deliveries. Now they do more than 600 deliveries between Phoenix Outreach of Chicago and Nourishing Hope. But it almost got shut down. There was a Grinch in 2004 with a budget deficit. CTA president, then CTA president, Frank Crusey, he proposed cutting this holiday train. And the headlines in Chicago just obliterated this guy. They go, Santa gets the axe. His CTA cancels holiday train. They called him the train lines Grinch. And um, the board members, they said, we are pissed. Staff made a mistake. And there are better than they better find a way to find out, which is never good. So now that I'll, train has been running
2: ever since. I love time. it. I'm going to ride the Christmas train here in Chattanooga this year.
1: You want to ride the Christmas train? Oh, yes. Well, Donnie, if things are down a little bit, though, or there's so much... Why are wait times up? Like, they've trickled up. We were doing good for a little while here, and now we're back up again. All right. Well, <clears throat> they would
2: have technically pushed up here right for the holiday season, uh, but it depends on... You know, everybody's trying to run thin right now. Yeah. Uh, and that can be an issue. Uh, normally, during the holiday season, they hire in a lot more people to come in and work the docks, knowing that they're going to be a lot busier. And you you, you see wait times sometimes trickle up during the off season and that's because they cut everybody. Yeah. And, but this year, I think, I think we get a lot of words about the economy that everything's doing so great, so great, so great. But you know, once you get your paycheck, go to the grocery store and fill your truck up, you don't have any money. Nobody does. And I think a lot of companies are trying to run real thin right now because um, they're not, sales, et cetera, are going to be down this year.
1: What about, what about what's on the horizon? You mentioned ocean containers. They drive a lot of freight, especially on the rail. Uh, they drove all that freight uplift in 2020, 2021. Well, Art, do you like what you're seeing here? It, it's a little bit better than last year, although last year was not a great market to, to comp to.
2: All right, so... Um... So this is comparing yes this is the one i'm uh, I'm looking at the white line is this year yeah and it's going above in the last few months it has trickled and trended up above what we did last year sure which I'm excited to see now what you're seeing there that is freight that's when that line gets marked when the freight is leaving like China or Vietnam or Japan yeah et cetera so those will be in the u s on average about thirty days so and then you got maybe a few weeks on the train etc so that's going to be probably hitting the trucks in about 45 days.
1: You know what's funny too we see that dip. If you if you look on that white line that dip, November imports fell 9% versus October. You can see that right here because that's at the start of booking. That's where this fell down. So yeah. you can see what's going to happen at the ports in advance.
2: Yes, this is actually about 30 days outside the ports. This is one of the few things that I actually like about rolling into the, to, the first quarter. Hopefully this will keep some of these volumes propped up a little bit and keep them strong. Uh, normally we would see this already dropping down. Like you see on the orange line, uh, we'd see it dropping down at the, you know, kind of back there in September. Cause that's kind of the end of the boom for the shipping season. It goes by boat all the way through September and then September, October. And then we start hitting the rails and then getting it in the warehouse, getting it to stores in time for the end of October, early November. So, uh, that's that chart right there gives me a, a lot of faith that we might see that might help prop up. The slow period of January and February is still going to be slow, but not as slow as previous years.
1: Hey, and expect Port of L.A. to pick up, too, with what's going on in the Panama and and Suez Canal, especially importers who do not want to wait. They're just going directly to the port over there. Uh, What's a a China to East Coast spot rate assessment, that was 2,501 per FU. That's down 18% from their high in August. But, hey, maybe we'll see some uplift in January. Donnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.
2: Yep, we'll see you next time. Take care,
1: buddy. Take care. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, by the way, you want to get a tree topper? How about the Eye of Sauron? I was, I was, this looks like kind of like it would be a Twitter ad these days, but unfortunately, this is handmade by a Redditor, so you need to be crafty yourself in order to make one of those. But I think that would look pretty sick next year on top of uh, our community tree here. All right, let's talk about the Freight Ninja. Let's talk to John Borsellano. He's the chief executive officer there, and Chris Lance. He's the chief operating officer at Freight Ninja. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. What's up, man? How, how you how you doing? Introduce yourselves. Hanging in there. Uh, you know, I'm John Borsellino, I'm
3: CEO here at Freight Ninja, um, and you know we specialize in um, mostly truck trailer and fleet parking solutions for you know your your single truck independent contractor all the way through to you know your your big boys of the world that have you know thousands of pieces of equipment.
1: Very cool, Chris. How about yourself, man? What, how what, where do you fit in this equation?
5: Um, well, Johnny and I a little bit of the past Johnny and I and the family have known each other for about 28 years now. Um, he kind of took this this project and and made it come to life and uh we've always been talking since we were kids about coming together and working together and we finally have an opportunity because of his growth and what they've built here. Um, so now it was time to to add some some key people to help the growth and uh I was the first one that Johnny called, so Here I am from Sarasota, Florida, up to back to Chicago now.
1: Wow. So why why take on this issue? Why Freight Ninja? Why take on truck parking? What's passionate about it? It's not an issue that everybody just wakes up and they're like, you know what? I'm going to solve that.
3: Yeah. So um, I got into trucking in in 2014. So uh, a family-run regional trucking company uh, called Legend. um, Started that in 2014. We've grown that in uh, both Chicago and Memphis markets mostly specializing in, you know, intermodal freight. Um, as we were expanding here in, in Chicago, uh, had, had a lot of interest of guys kind of walking in, knocking on our doors, customers reaching out, hey, could you store equipment for us? We're having a hard time storing, you know, equipment. Um, or, you know, owner-operators coming in, hey, could I pay to park here in your yard? Um, so 2016, end of 2016, early 2017, started targeting sites like this just to run, you know, outdoor storage, that business model, um, providing these different parking solutions for, you know, different companies and owner-operators. We grew that to about, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, we grew that to about, you know, seven lo- locations, kind of side-by-side with with the trucking and kind of pivoted towards it more full-time now, um, you know, as we've grown into, you know, end of 22, tw- into 23, and now, you know, the future for 2024.
1: So, what have you guys learned about the issue? Any like statistics or anything on the on the truck parking shortage? What have you found out as you've tried to attack the problem?
5: Well, like you said earlier uh, in the in the in the opening, you know, we we've obviously learned being in the industry um, together now. You know, myself, seventeen years. Um, there's a, there's a great need for it. For one spot, eleven drivers or eleven trucks need to be parked. Um, the biggest thing that we're obviously focusing on too is you know, the security um, with with the way that the economy is going, uh, people got have real sticky fingers um, and drivers need a, a secure place to park. And that's what we're kind of solve trying to solve here for them is providing secure um, property for these people to park. So when they go home at night, they can go to sleep and come to work, you know, the next day feeling good that everything is going to be there and they're not going to have to go to their boss and, hey, my load just got whacked. You know, and then we got a major problem here.
1: Wow. So how does it work? How do your sites work? How do people go park there? What, what's, uh, what's the experience like for the driver?
3: Yeah, so, um, you know, we've tried to make this very user-friendly for our customer base, right? Um, one thing I think we pride ourselves on here at Freight Ninja is all of our yards are, you know, operated by Freight Ninja team. So when you pick up the phone and and you have an issue at the yard, you're talking direct to Freight Ninja staff, Freight Ninja customer service, or myself or Chris. Um, The whole staff here is trucking experience. We speak the trucker's language. um, And, you know, we just want to provide them, you know, this is their asset. We want to keep it safe and secure for them. So we don't kind of pair you up with somebody that may have land for this. These are run by our team.
1: So why monthly versus like daily parking?
5: So I think in our past experience, what we've seen is, is that, you know, we, we like to build a community and people take accountability for where, where they're at and what they're doing. Um, when you get those nightly guys, you, you see a lot more issues, um, in and outs. There's, there's, there's no community feeling, um, you, know, you have a lot more problems because it's, they're not taking care of their home. So that's why we kind of haven't gone into nightly parking yet. We've been approached by a couple companies to get involved in that, but we're just not ready for that because we feel what we're building here is a little bit more um, intimate. And like I said, you know, like Johnny had said earlier, we take pride in what we do and, and we're not worried about generating that quick dollar. We want to provide a solution, a great solution and keep growing from there from what we've, what we've gotten great at and what we lead, you know, this industry in is, providing a parking solution for, for our great customers and obviously working with you know those landowners um that have land or investment capitals companies and all of that to to fit their needs as well so we're 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 more focused on building a partnership and not the in and outs because that's when you see more problems happening um like at you know the truck stops on the side of the road or whatever. Um, those aren't secure um you know people are constantly getting hit in there um stuff's constantly getting stolen you got, you know, other activities going on there that, you know, we just don't want to be involved in that.
1: Interesting. So 2024 is coming up. We're right on the horizon. What does Freight Ninja have in store for the uh, for drivers who need to park as we move forward into the new year?
3: Yeah, so, you know, obviously we were an Illinois-based company. We're very heavy, you know, locations-wise here in Chicagoland. Um, start of this year, I had six locations. We just closed up uh, Location 30 that will be starting um, next month. Um, And we're going to try to go and solve this at the national level, right? So we're in Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, Tennessee, Florida, Texas. Um, and, And like Chris was saying, we know there's a nightly shortage too, and we're working on a solution for that. But I think, you know, the key thing that people are kind of missing on this is 97% 97% of your trucking companies or fleets out in the country have 20 or fewer trucks. So there's not a lot of options for those guys right now, right? Because, you know, you're talking less than an acre of land. Um, we like to take, you know, the monthly approach. We want these guys to treat these sites like this is their home. So, you know, they self the, the the lots and everyone kind of, like Chris said, built a community where everyone's kind of looking out for each other. But 2024, you know, we we plan to have double the amount of locations and that'll all be run by Freight Ninja team.
1: Interesting. And, and why is that a great idea? What, what makes the Freight Ninja team so, so awesome?
3: What you're getting in the Freight Ninja team is the whole staff is they're, they're trucking guys, right? So when these guys, these guys pick up the phone and call us, we know what they're talking about. We've, we've been there, you know, we've, we've gone through the same struggles as they've gone through. So, you know, we're, we're trying to build a team that is transportation focused and, uh,
1: you know, has the best interest of the drivers in mind. Well, very, how do people learn more about this and how do they use your service? Yeah. So
3: if you go to uh, www.freightninja.com, um, all our locations are listed there, or you know, pick up the phone, call us at eight four four three zero three one five zero five. You know, follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all your social media avenues. We're we're everywhere, so not too hard to find. And uh, you know, we look forward to helping everyone out.
1: Very cool. You need to send me like a Freight Ninja katana ornament for this tree, guys. It's it's missing it will, here. There's a, for sure. There's a big spot. See right there. Right there is a great spot for it. <laughs> Hey, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. You guys have Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, I look to learn more next year if you did that double expansion that you're planning on. I'm rooting for you. Thanks, really appreciate you having us. Take it easy. All right, take care, guys. All right, elsewhere, let's take a look at this. Yeah, this is Santa's real sleigh over here. Deep out in the Red Sea with all your imports. Look how loud it is out there. The life of a sailor is no, no joke. Imagine being on the ship for 30, 35 days. And that's just like to call a port. Usually they're out on a much longer run. It's not like you go to the port and you're immediately off the ship. Look at this
3: guy right in the water.
1: I'm pretty sure if you go in there, there's no coming back. Like they're, they're not gonna be able to swing around and find you, I don't think. Jostin says, thank you all that do incredibly hard and dangerous work so I can have all the crap and food I'll eventually throw out. I appreciate all of you. Witness 2 says, this is why my shine orders take 20 days to get to me. Jo Smilo, hell no! Raw Ingus, the guy who was running away. Um, Luna, Minnesota says, he was like, this is beyond me. My heart is racing. I think this is uh, where you'd be more likely to spot a mermaid. The mayor of Tima says, North Sea off the English Channel isn't a playground. Seafarers go through a lot. Teflon in General bet one of those containers has a package containing a $7.99 book from Amazon or eBay, and someone's throwing a fit and writing bad reviews because of the delayed delivery. M says, the ocean is the scariest place on Earth. It is pretty wild out there. And Nicky Nick says, I won't complain about delayed packages anymore. Maybe you won't after this segment either. Let's bring on Lau Lau, Solarzano and Andy Shals at the Simply Trade Podcast. By the way, guys, I have – go wide on me for a second here. I have their ornament. Go wide for just one second here. I want to show their ornament off. There we go. I got your ornament right here, (laughs) gentlemen. It looks awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, bud. Thank you. I like that you wear the hat, too. So I like that you wear the hat so I can recognize you from the cartoon graphic. (laughs) Uh, There you go. It's like, you know, it's like uh, Lalo
4: tries to, uh, he has the horrible job of trying to uh, keep, uh, you know, keep me in line and it's like herding cats. I mean, he's like, I'm all over the place and Lalo's got the, he's the
1: even keeled guy here, right? He's like, he pulls me back in. (laughs) Well, Lalo, for people who've never heard Simply Trade, they missed our previous segment when I had you guys on when we were worried about the government shutting down. Tell people all about the show.
6: Well, we have a bunch of uh, fun stuff that we do. Uh, we we tend to try to get people imagine going to a conference. You guys just finished a conference earlier uh this year uh last month and all the cool stuff that happens during the talks and the sessions during the conference, but it's even cooler when you get together at the bar or at the lunch room or dinner because those were that's where the real conversations take place, so that's exactly what we did with this Uh, podcast is just getting a bunch of friends together and people in the industry and talk as if we are in that lounge or in that bar or in the dinner, you know, just talking about trade so that that's the gist of the whole show.
1: Well, guys, I hear what you're putting down because I started out my career in the compliance side. I worked global trade with FedEx Trade Networks. done a lot of imports, mostly footwear. Reebok was my account, um, especially when I was in the import side. I dealt with a ton of that. Mm. But it was very interesting. You guys did a show about a year ago, and it was what if Santa was a smuggler? But I want to (laughs) go even before that, before we even get to Santa. What if Santa was just a consignee? What if Santa just had a shop in America, and he had to get some goods from China to the U.S. for the holiday season? What does it? actual consignee go through to make that happen
4: well I, i'm going to jump in here and say i'm going to challenge that a little bit because in santa's world <laughs> he would be the shipper exporter that's right? true and he may and so it would be the kids that would be the consignee the kids <laughs> are the one and, and from customer's perspective now is that the consignee would be considered the importer they're the ones causing that uh, item to be imported into the U S. So if they're going through, uh, and, and, and Santa's, uh, North pole uh, factory could not produce everything. He's, uh, obviously most of the toys are coming out of China. So now you've got all the scenario there where you're having to, You know, have it manufactured, do all the things you need to do with all the uh, IPR, which is intellectual property rights. In other words, copyrights and all that. You got to make sure you're approved on all of that and you pay out the appropriate royalties whenever they're sold. But as they're imported, there's another thing that comes into play before you even get to customs. Does that toy comply with the consumer product safety commission or cpsc that's a thing that says sets the standards for uh, kids toys and all that so there's no choking hazards or it's not dangerous and all that so you go through all those messes and and, and everything but as it goes through here's the thing santa who has you know it, it has knowledge of who's getting what because remember he's got his list and he's checking it twice of who's naughty and nice. So if you're on the naughty list, you may not be getting the nicest uh, guests. You may be getting some things that are kind of on the bad list, but even if you're on the good list and as it's coming through, you know, here's the thing is that, uh, Poor uh, Santa's not declaring that manifest of what's on his sleigh to customs, So <laughs> it's going to be a problem there where he's circumventing not only the duties and taxes, which would be about 3 to 10% on, on toys or whatever, give or take a little bit, but if they're coming out of China, you have the China tariffs or the 301 tariffs. So that's another 25% on top of that. He's circumventing all that kind of stuff as he's coming in and delivering that. So, you know, Santa's got an operation here. He's been doing this for quite some time. He seems to be pretty slick with it, but, you know, the FAA and NORAD keeps trying to track him as he's going through uh, the different airspaces and whatnot. So he seems to somehow be able to get through airspace, bring those goods in, get them delivered without getting them declared. So it's like, we got a problem here.
1: Well so what so let's say he doesn't he's not circumventing he's actually a shipper in the US he's got so he goes he goes i got this toy product he got it approved right now he's got a tariff number and he's got to order pallets of these and he's got to get it FOB he's got to pick his Inco terms. there's a lot mm-hmm. that Santa has to decide here what's his next step right
4: well at, at well, this point you're going to well, go ahead, Lalo. I'll, I'll let you jump. In.
6: No, I, I was going to say, well, he's running on a just-in-time environment. That's a big problem. You know, how are you going to get all of that in in less than 24 hours? I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, that that's one big problem that he has. The other thing is he does need – there is a there is a, something, if you're coming in by vessel, you saw that ship in that previous segment, in that previous clip, um, they do need to file something called an ISF, which is a 10 plus 2, which is advance notice of what is coming in um, through a vessel, through an ocean vessel. Um, He's coming in through air. So Andy, I think you had a a little bit more information on that one, but uh, coming in through air is I think two hours or something like that. And uh, he can clarify that. Um, He does need to uh, go through his broker because I'm sure Santa's not a broker. So he needs to go through his broker to file all his uh, entries. And so (laughs) he would need to actually take care of the entries um, and make sure that Everything. If everything goes through correctly, then he's good to go. But I mean, usually, like I said, running in a just-in-time environment is going to be pretty tough, especially when you want to deliver toys in one evening, in one night.
1: I used to do some of that air freight footwear. And I'll tell you something, I was on the broker side, so I would get the arrival notice and I would have to do the entry. And almost every single time, the China factory is always going to send you the wrong tariff number. If you're a shipper, please do not go by the tariff number the China factory sends you because it's very, very often completely wrong. And your customs broker will look at it and go, they don't know what the hell they're talking about.
4: (laughs) Well, and here's something that's important. You're talking about planning for when you're importing this. If you've got your purchasing or your sourcing group, they need to come up and say, here's the harmonized tariff number that when this particular commodity comes in, you need to provide the harmonized tariff number that you want on that paperwork. So don't don't use the harmonized tariff number that somebody else provides. Use the harmonized tariff number that you're providing to them and they should be putting it on the paperwork. So that's one key thing. And I'll tell you this, a lot of people will say, They don't have control over their vendors, if you will. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Those vendors seem to know what to ship, where to ship, when to ship it, and what to put on the paperwork so they get paid. The compliance side of it is like you just not exercise your authority here in making sure that your purchasing group puts in the appropriate on the purchase orders. Uh, Here's how to describe it. Here's the harmonized tariff number. Here's the declarations and all those kinds of things.
1: So, what happens if I do end up on that naughty list? We've all had this happen. If you're an importer, you get hit with a VAC 6 exam, a customs exam, an intensive exam. They want to look at my freight. What's going to happen to me now, Lalo?
6: Oh, boy. So, you're going to, well, first of all, the kids aren't getting their toys in time. There's no way. You're know, <laughs> so that, delayed that's, that's now.
0: <laughs>
6: you're delayed now. Yep. And then, but remember, um, part of that stuff that's getting delivered also is um, food items. So, you're gonna also get hit by USDA, although I don't know if you would call a, a, a fruitcake uh, food anymore. But anyway, but but that, that would <laughs> that would be delayed as well because the USDA will actually um, also um, he must have some of that stuff in there. So so that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna go through, but let me say this: there is something called CT pat. If you're CT pat. If you are CTPAT certified, and this is a plug for CTPAT and the the, the program, it is worthwhile getting because you will go, you get front of the line privileges if you do get um, an examination. So you do want to be CTPAT certified, that will actually help you with the process, mitigate some fines, and even uh, avoid getting all your stuff unloaded inspect it, and then reload it back into your uh, vehicle. So, so just to I move, plug, eliminate I gotta say,
1: Santa's in non-compliance. So Santa's got to be in non-compliance. I don't think the North Pole <laughs> is a CT pad facility for sure. I've never seen a tier three revalidation done over there. I have at Talbots because I was a part of one. And I know it goes into those things. But let's talk about noncompliance. What if you, as a shipper, try to behave like Santa Claus? You don't declare things. You try to circumvent customs. Uh, you use the wrong tariff numbers. What can happen to you?
4: Uh, customs will take you out behind the woodshed and whoop up on you a little bit. There, you're going to wind up getting your goods held up, possibly seized, and then you're going to wind up having uh, penalties assessed against you, or and or lose your privileges for uh, importing or and or exporting. So the scenario there is that. You know, it, there's a lot of folks that try and avoid, you know, and to lower their costs, they're trying to avoid paying duties and taxes. Folks, don't circumvent the process. The law is the law. And you need to put uh, and, and basically cross the T's and dot the I's. Make your declaration to the government and get it done. But there's no sense in in trying to, you know, cut corners on this because it's you. You're, you're going to wind up even possibly even going to jail if it uh, is determined to be criminal.
1: Lally, you ever been a part of a customs audit? When I did duty drawback, you have to do a customs audit. And audit, you know, if you're doing a duty drawback problem, you're gonna get audited. You're gonna do a desk review. You know that that's gonna happen. So you you prepare for it if you run those types of of programs. But have you been through like a full on difficult audit before? Have you guided someone through it? What happens?
6: Right. Uh, Fortunately, I have not. um, That that's uh, I've been very fortunate. I have not. But a lot of our customers. may be going through one or have gone through one and, or are preparing for one and they'll take our training or they'll come to us, you know, like for, um, I don't want to call it advice, but more like a direction on what they need to do, what they should be prepared for. But I mean, you're right. I mean, I have heard those horror stories, uh, uh, Tim that, I mean, they, they can come in and ask you for a shipment and they very specifically will ask you on this date, show me the, all the documentation behind it. You cannot show them electronic documentation. You have to have the physical paperwork to show them. So somehow, some way, you know, and I don't have it here. My freight forwarder or my broker has it is not going to be an excuse. They're going to want to see that. And so somehow you need to archive your, your documentation uh, correctly. So, yeah, it, 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 I have heard a lot of nightmares on, on how bad that could be.
1: I and that's the problem too, because a lot of times companies will run they'll run the program for a year, or two, three years the audit comes up and they don't realize that they were using some wrong tariff number again, a lot of times it just comes from the factory but that's not an excuse that's not an excuse in the eyes of customs oh I didn't know you should have known better when the audit happens that's where you, you're going to find out about it Andy what advice do you have for shippers and importers to not be a smuggler like Santa Claus <laughs>
4: The one thing there is, I would say, is you know, again, step back and look to see what you're trying to accomplish. Is it really worth the risk? As, as far as trying to cut corners, and 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 really, it's not. And at the end of the day, as you're looking through and, and doing these things, if you have questions, get some advice, get some experts in. Whether it's a consultant, whether it's a your broker, whether it's a customs attorney. Uh, And as you go through, and let me tell you, planning things on the front end, Tim, is by far easier than, you know, cleaning up a mess on the back end. It's kind of like being a pooper scooper at the end of a parade. If you haven't done things right on the front end, you're going to have a huge mess to clean up. And I'd rather feed the beast than clean up after it.
1: Yeah, no, it can can be brutal. And you definitely don't want to find yourself in that situation. Before I let you guys go, what's ahead on the show? What are people listening to now when they tune in?
6: Well, we're going to have a bunch of uh, um, a follow up, also actually, on the Santa Smuggler. Uh, we have a, a not a rebuttal, but you know, more more further information. We will also have a New Year's um, kickoff show. Uh, we're trying to get uh, your buddy over there, Craig, to come on and talk about the 2024 planning uh, for freight, planning for customs, planning for um, a bunch of different uh, forced labor. Yeah, that's big. That that is really big right now. Um, so just a bunch of things that you should be planning for. So that's coming in uh, first week in uh, January towards the end of December as well. So so looking forward to, hey. to having uh, all that kind of stuff. Yes.
4: Don't forget the uh, the things we got a few new shows, too, uh, that are that we're putting out uh, like simply trade crimes. And it's like people that have actually gotten convicted or, or uh, uh, arrested due to some things. And all those kinds of things are coming up. Uh, uh, new tech, new uh, uh, regulatory affairs type thing. So it's all coming about. It's like we got some really cool things
1: that are coming up this next year. Excellent. We need some more yeah. uh, freight true crime. Not enough in this in this. In the meantime, though, people <laughs> want to find simply trade. Where do I send them to?
6: Uh, anywhere they listen to podcasts, just search for Simply Trade and you'll find us there. Fortunately, we're the only ones with that name and uh, that's the best place or else go to our website at Global Training Center. It's uh, fastest way is go to www.gtc.trade and uh, you'll find a, uh, um, uh, a link there to our podcast and, of course, all our services.
4: Thank you guys so
6: much. look for the yellow
1: background with the
4: cartoon
6: characters there.
1: Merry (laughs) Christmas. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for the ornament for this three. It looks stunning. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, dude. You're fantastic. Take care. take Take care. (laughs) Take it easy. Love those guys. All right. You know who's in the holiday spirit? Mac is. Let's take a look at what they're doing over on their trucks. I love the dog in the Santa outfit. Nailed it, Mac. (laughs) I think that was a little red truck hauling a Christmas tree. Stunning, man. Mac, if you're watching this, what's up, man? Send me over to your lot. I want to film this on my own phone. I want to take a ride on those little Mac trucks. Maybe I could take a drone over there because we're talking about urban drone delivery, although that might have been a little... Rural. I just realized, too, we're talking about Urban Drone Delivery with Will Urban. He's an advisor, and we got Andreas Raptopolis. He's the founder at Matternet. Hello, guys. Nice to see you. Hey, how are you? Hey. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's Will, I just realized that we're talking about Urban Drone Delivery, and you are Will I Urban. I know, I know. Who, who better?
0: I, I thought maybe you named the company after me, and Andreas is going to get mad. But uh, uh, no, I mean, I it's... <laughs> People ask me, people ask me all the time if I'm related to Keith Urban too, which I don't get. I, uh, 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 are you?
1: Yeah, no, not at all. You are. Uh, you're related to Flexport a little bit. You used to be over there. Tell us a little bit. About, a little bit about your background. Yeah, I um
0: I spent I've been in supply chain my whole life. Um, I've had uh, kind of two big moments. I met Peter Rose, who's the founder of uh, Expeditors, when I was uh, 22 years old, and I spent 25 years there with the company in all kinds of various roles. And then, uh, you know, the the last uh, four years, I was a chief revenue officer at Flexport. So I've spent my um, almost my entire career in international uh, trade.
1: Very, very cool. And and Andreas, you're obviously the founder of a drone company. Introduce yourself to us.
7: It's great to be here. Um, So I'm Andreas Rathopoulos. I run Uh, Matternet. Matternet develops a platform for urban and suburban drone delivery. Um, So we built all the technology that allows this to happen at scale and very safely. Uh, My background is in engineering. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, Around 2011, I saw what was happening in the DIY back then, drone movement, and I thought this is going to change how the world moves uh, goods from A to B. Uh, Hence, I founded Matternet, and we've been pioneering the space since.
1: Interesting. Will, why... So you were on the global trade side. What's your interest in drones? Why are you over at Matternet?
0: Well, I think there's there's two big interests for me. One is... um, you know, traditionally, drones have been thought of in supply chain and getting to rural areas, and a lot of it around humanitarian relief, right, medicines, critical items, that kind of thing where maybe roads or infrastructures were, were taken out from a natural disaster or they just didn't exist to help people in need. And actually, MatterNet's has done a lot of that type of work. But more if you think about congestion in urban areas, um the 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 one-off deliveries in today's world whether it be e-com or pharmaceuticals or any kind of critical line down manufacturing parts um drones are just a much more efficient cost effective way to deliver that final mile delivery piece and it's certainly not um to re- to replace trucking companies it's actually our, our truckers are live humans it's an enhancement to do that final mile where you know, most things run on a um, on a uh, delivery schedule, and things are things are consolidated and moved on routes. In the point to point delivery world, you know, drones can move much faster, efficiently, safer, um, and so we think it really um, augments and improves the overall delivery of cargo attached to a great trucking effort. And um, and then you know, I met Andreas, and and he's so passionate about it, and this company is so far ahead of everyone else in the space. Um, because they've really spent the last year, you know, 10 years working on the technology, and more importantly, the regulatory approvals, which is a huge undertaking in and of itself. Um, and I guess I uh, hate to, uh, Tim, it's the 15 year old boy in me, drones are cool. And I'm, I'm just really excited. <laughs> that's valid. Know, that's, with them. They're a lot of fun.
1: So that's valid. Yeah. Andreas. you're the founder, is that the same? Do you remember when you were like, you know what, I got to start a drone company, the world needs it, I'm ready to start it. And it's got to happen. What was your mission back then? What were you thinking when you started the company?
7: Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, I, I growing up, I had like, uh, you know, the usual fascination with everything that flies. Um, and I think around 2010, I started asking the question, has something changed in uh, the technology landscape that would allow us to build a flying machine differently? and i came across drones and back then there was like a diy movement people strapping sort of um, cameras on like little helicopters and i thought this is going to change one of the most fundamental things that we do every day right uh getting things from a to b um is going to be completely sort of transformed by this um it's going to have huge applications in places that are not well served by roads um and or do not have at all road infrastructure and it's gonna really help us, um, you know, become uh, way more efficient on how we move goods from A to B in cities, right? So um, that that was the theory back then. In 2011, we were the, really the first company that started talking about this. Um, we've always focused on the commercial applications of drone technology, technology, and we're the first company that really talked about this big sort of civilian vision of how you bring this technology to, um, to, to sort of help uh, take our Um, sort of uh, civilization forward, if you will. Um, And, um, you know, today we stand here, um, you know, having developed technology that has been um, certified by uh, the most advanced aviation authorities in the world. Um, As Will mentioned, we've uh, spent a lot of time working with regulators uh, here in the U.S. We're the only company uh, today that has a drone delivery platform that has been certified um, by the FAA, we got what's called type certification. There's many other things that uh, are required to be able to uh, scale drone technology. We have all of those things now uh, lined up, so we're ready for, uh, for scale um, as um, you know, we commercialize further. We spend most of our time doing uh, healthcare delivery, right? You know, when you have that urgent blood sample that needs to go from a clinic to a central lab, so you can drive very fast diagnosis and really accelerate that patient journey. We can do this with a drone much faster than you can do it with a car. Um, To give you a sense, we can transport something in a city like Zurich where we can operate.
1: Andreas, hold on a second. Let's let's talk about that video that we just played because I saw there was a few interesting things. First, there was a sort of like the giant sci-fi spore that like it looks like you put the red box in there and it hooks up to the drone and it flies and it has to find another spore. Tell us how like this works and how do you commercialize this?
7: Right, right. So um, this is an example here of our system operating on the back of a hospital. Right. So this uh, nurse here is um, transporting, a, you know, a, wants to put a blood sample urgently uh, to the main lab, right, for analysis. And instead of calling a a, a car um, to do that, and it could be like a couple of hours to get that done, uh, she just puts this into our station. We call this um, uh, asset here a station, and then you know she goes back to her desk, and everything else is like automated. So a drone comes in, picks up that package, uh, swaps a battery. If it needs to, these stations also hold batteries and then goes to another station, deposits there, someone gets a notification, they can walk out and get it. And that end-to-end journey may be like five to seven minutes to cross three to five miles compared to a couple of hours to do it with a car.
1: So, I've had a lot of drone companies on here, and a lot of their solutions it like goes to someone's house and it parachutes out of the the drone. This looks like it it has a box. Is is this only for healthcare? Is there like a home delivery aspect to this?
7: Yes, there is a massive one. Um, And in fact, um, we are now uh, setting our sights firmly in that space. Um, So, you know, you can feed the system. This this station that you saw there could be outside the restaurant, right? And um, you can put a um, a small package that goes to somebody's backyard there, um, and then when the drone arrives, autom- you know, autonomously to someone's house, it descends at an altitude of about 60 feet, and then tethers something down with a um, with with on a, on a small tether. So it's a very um, you know, it's a really great way to get somebody's um, you know food or e-commerce package um, in their sort of um, uh, backyard. Um, And it's extremely fast. It's really good for the environment, right? I mean, instead of moving a two-ton car to move that, like, I don't know, two-kilogram package, you have, like, this very light-wide aerial asset. You don't create traffic. um, You don't create emissions. It's really next-generation transportation.
1: What what are the economics of drones? Like, how many deliveries does someone have to do in order for it to make economic sense and all the R&D and all this goes into it? When does this sort of become, or maybe it already is, when does this become viable or is it viable and how do we get there?
7: Right. Um, that's a really one of the key, like the key question that companies like us are trying to answer right now. And I think the whole of the ecosystem, right? So um, the short answer is that you need scale, right? You need scale in order to uh, be able to produce these aircraft uh, at low cost. And um, you need scale in order to be able to um, really move a lot of deliveries uh, through a network. So, um, you know, our view is that you know, the way that we're executing our plan. Uh, we're really focused on city-wide networks, right? I'm sitting here in Silicon Valley, we envision that in a place like this, covering, you know, my city, Palo Alto, and Mountain View, the neighboring city, and a few others, you may need like a couple of hundred drones in the sky, operating autonomously, just for packages every day. Um, and each one of those drones could probably do uh, three to five deliveries an hour, right? And you end up with economics that are extremely compelling, well below $5 per delivery uh, for these types of operations.
1: Well, so in your experience, what is the uh, what 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 is it? What's the secret sauce here? Well, how does this really catch on? Where do you really see it fitting in in the supply chain?
0: Well, you know the secret the secret sauce for me it's just starting to turn. We turn this major corner with these regulatory approvals, right? To operate in these city centers, and so you know, first you have to have the federal approval, and then a lot of local municip- municipalities have to, like the city of Palo Alto, have to say yes. We're we'll do that as well. But there's, there's definitely, um, we're, we're getting over that now. So now what we're seeing is a, a rush of, of companies reaching out to us saying, okay, how can we really put this to use? And um, what's interesting to me is it kind of, and Andreas kind of hit on it, you know, there's 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 different ways to look at transactional price versus overall cost. And sometimes that transactional price might be a little bit more, but the overall cost goes down, um, especially in pharmaceuticals and hospital networks and things where you know, if you think about it, a great example is you go in and have your blood drawn, say, at, um, you know, one of the major places like uh, LabCorp or something like that. And all day long, they're taking these samples, and they batch them, and then the FedEx truck block, you know, backs up. And then they, they take all those samples to a lab they are 20 minutes down the road. And then during the night, they run all the tests, and then in the morning, you have your results. But if you had something that was moving back and forth constantly— and over, you know, putting that flow of goods into that lab every hour, um, you one, you get your test results back faster. It's a better customer experience, and in healthcare, some of those things matter, right? The test results and things are important to get back right away. Two, it evens out the flow from a work standpoint and labor standpoint for that lab. Um, and then, of course, it is get, it's way cost of, more cost effective because you know in the courier world, all you're doing is paying. You know, you're paying for that box shipment by shipment by shipment. Um, Which is predicated on that delivery and and then being able to consolidate it all together. So in those kind of scenarios, which is a lot of them, we see this incredible um, combination of cost savings, better customer experience, better on the environment, um, and just uh, having more information at your fingertips quicker.
1: Andreas, one of one of the, the words, challenges yeah. of getting to uh, to your doorstep is safety and sound. Sound is always drones can be loud, right? How do you how do you mitigate both of those? It sounds like you're doing some. You're, you're in terms of regulatory thing, you guys are doing a bang up job. You you covering sound as well.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the type certification process is an extremely rigorous process. It took us four and a half years to go through it you need to, um, you know, go through a bunch of tests, including sound, cybersecurity, which is a major concern, like, you know, all your security uh, protocols and how do you um, make sure that you don't, uh, in any way, sort of jeopardize someone's privacy or security um, and safety. Um, the, in, in the sound question, I think that's a really good one. Early on, uh, people were doing experiments, like, you know, communities were find those annoying. Um, We found a way to real deal with the problem, uh, this problem very well. So, you know, you won't really notice um, this aircraft when it's flying. When it comes to your backyard to do a delivery, um, you know, you may hear it for about 20, 25 seconds, right? Um, And it's like a very fast in and out thing that is not and nuisance to the community um so you know i would say uh safety is is really the cornerstone and you have to prove that and beyond that like um you know uh sound and, and privacy are the two key things that one has to solve for uh for, for uh healing a service uh, in this
1: space what do we have to look forward you to we're, we're, we're almost out of time so i was curious what do we have to look forward to moving into 2024 what's coming next from you folks
0: well, hopefully, you're going to see some big deployments of MatterNet drones um, in some key cities around the U.S. Um, we're just in the process of working out some deals and, and uh, agreements with a, a number of uh, commercial customers to be able to do that. So, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, a lot of people in the space, but again, like Andrea said, we're very focused on the commercial environment, and you know, hopefully, you'll be able to see those those drones in the skies uh, more than just the tests or the one-offs here very shortly.
1: Well, that will be very cool. Andreas, where do people go to learn more about the company and uh, see your services?
7: You can uh, look up um, at our website, mttr.net, mttr.net, or you can just Google Matternet, Network for Matter, right? And um, you'll see everything about us. Um, You can follow our LinkedIn page and our Twitter feed as well.
1: Very exciting. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. You both have a very happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, I'll catch up with you in the new year.
0: You too. Thank you.
7: Thanks for having us. Great. Happy
1: holidays. Thank you guys. Take it easy. Happy holidays. Awesome stuff out of those gentlemen right there. We got a great show also coming up on Monday. Stick with us. Let's just pull this uh, sheet up right here. I'll let you know who's coming on. I mentioned in the beginning, we're talking to Transforce about their push to bring a Barbie to trucking. That's Kelly McGurk. She'll be here. Scott Cornell from Travelers uh, Crime. Travelers Crime Specialist is going to be talking about theft going on in the supply chain, what we need to take care of there. We got Kathy Close from JJ Keller. They're going to have a report on this year in Grade. Reliance Partners is going to be back on to talk about this year insurance. And then we've got the creators of Supply Chain Bingo, a father and son team of Zach and Max Schubert. They're going to show us how to play the game. Maybe it's the perfect holiday last minute stocking stuffer for you guys to get. I wonder how their network is set up. I wonder if we get hit by any of these uh, surcharges, these postal surcharges that we hear about. Well, hey, thank you everyone for joining us on episode 662 of What the Truck. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. You can find this show at fw what the truck across all your social media platforms including tiktok we got the twitter uh youtube instagram i don't know what more than you need you can find all these shows on our youtube channel take care and don't be a stranger